0: Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13, 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but, uh, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lamp post and gives its light to all. to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of wait, therefore whoever breaks one of the least of all these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that the scribes of and pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god amen
1: Thank you so much for reading that very voluminous passage of Scripture. (laughs) Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh now on this preacher. And in these, your children, who are under the sound of my voice, wait to hear a word from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and the earth was void and without form. James Weldon Johnson in his classic poem The Creation says, it was darker than a hundred midnights in a cypress swamp. But God said, let there be light and the sun and moon and stars were created to provide light for humankind. And sisters and brothers today, our world is in a dark place. And I believe it's yearning for the light of God. God supplies both power and light to the world in the person of God's witness, the family, you and I, the kingdom. Jesus sets forth for us, the family of God, a challenge this week, a tall order. On last Sunday's text, as well as this one, Jesus wants us to know we are an integral part of God's world. And in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenges the disciples to be to be something, to be somebody. In other words, Jesus gives the family of God a sense of self-assurance. He gives us a sense of self-pride, a sense of purpose in this life as Christians. He gave the disciples and us a sense of who we are and who we are to be while we travel this world. Pastor Michael walked us through the Beatitudes last week. We were reminded, though we we often try to turn them into imperatives, get out there, be peacemakers, be meek. Be hungry. Be thirsty for righteousness. Jesus doesn't present them that way. Jesus presents them as indicatives. He is describing, not commanding. Likewise, in the verses that follow those first 12, that are the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does not say, get out there, be salty. He doesn't say, get out there and light up. He says, almost as a matter of fact, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. When Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, he's given the disciples the challenge to make the world a better place because they and us are in it. The world should be much better because the disciples and you and I are part of it. Why is that? It's because Jesus says the kingdom, the family, is like salt. Salt has, a, has particular qualities that are appropriately used and properly applied. That's what salt affects is better because of salt. There are at least two characteristics of salt that I think Jesus has in mind when he says to the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. In the first place, salt, has a characteristic of seasoning that which it affects, flavoring foods and and giving a tantalizing taste to that which people eat. Then second, salt has the characteristic of preserving that which it touches. Salt has the power to save. Jesus says to the disciples atop that mountain, you are the salt of the earth. You are bringing flavor to the earth. You are to offer salvation to all people, family. The disciples took seriously Jesus' designation of them as salt and empowering them to be salt-like characteristics. They changed the world. They brought flavor to the world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each wrote gospels that told the story of Jesus and enriched the lives of millions. In the formation of the early church, the disciples of Jesus went about preaching and making the lives of people sweeter than they were before they met them. Philip went out preaching and went to a city called Samaria and preached. And the story is told that there was great joy in the city. You know the story of the apostle Paul, a disciple of Jesus, wrote Proliferous and told the people, the greatest thing in life is love in a time when hate and hatred reigned. Jealousy and jaundiced relationships prevailed. Paul sweetened the land with the talk of love. The early church was indeed the salt of the earth because of God used it as a vehicle to save the world from tyranny of terror of the Roman Empire. Friends, the church has so much power to save that once the Roman Empire ran its course of terror and ran its course of tyranny, the church prevailed and conquered the empire so that Christianity became the prevailing religion of the time. When Jesus teaches that we we are Christians, followers of the way, the salt of the earth, what is he really saying to the church today? What does he say to the family of God? In 2023, Jesus asked us to reflect on the power you and I already have. You are salt. You are light. Jesus is not asking, do you want to be salt or do you want to be light? We already are. So given the declaration from our Lord, how will we season the world to reflect the kingdom of God? What will we light up in God's world? Jesus lays an expectation and a blessing on us as we are called to be the family of God. He implies, my friends, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we don't really have a choice in the matter. And I don't mean that we are forced into something against our will. What I mean is this he was, he's saying we already are representatives of the kingdom of God. Whether we consciously try to claim the role or not, people, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and strangers will look to us and think, oh, so that's what it means to be part of the Christian faith, or that is what it means to belong to a church in terms of how we live and how we treat each other in the world. Jesus wants us to know that given this truth, we should live a life of humility. That seems the only proper response. We should live a life that's full of grace and hospitality and kindness. We have our opinions about how the world ought to be. We all have our opinions, but how we express them toward each other matters. So let's celebrate the salty ones in our midst. Find the ones who are mentoring, the ones who are supporting and guiding. Start with teachers, but go further. Youth leaders, confirmation mentors, new members team who go out and solicit others to become a part of the family. Ushers and others around us who light up the world just by being who they are. Or maybe reflect on the ones who has helped you the most, who has taught you about the faith, who has walked with you in difficult times, who prayed with you when no one else would. Remember those names and give thanks to those who remind us that you are the light of the world and a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Our text gives us the consideration that Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to many things. In this chapter, he begins to comparing the Christians to salt of the earth, Nothing that, if, nothing, noting that if the salt has lost its savor, it's lost everything about its saving power. In introducing my brothers and sisters, this second thought, he says that the church is the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He projected that a world groping in darkness should find light from the spirit illuminating from us Christians around the world. But family, there are some Christians who have allowed the light of their countenance to dim in their lives. It may be because they simply have not paid attention to the particulars necessary to keep the flame burning. One of the first causes of failing lights is that we have dirty globes. I grew up during an era where we actually used kerosene lamps. And there is a glass globe on kerosene lamps. And as the lamps burn, the soot from the flame begins to accumulate around the globe. No matter how bright the light is, if the globe is dirty, the light cannot shine through. And friends, there are many Christians who have allowed a little soot to accumulate on their globe. Strangely enough, in many instances, the brilliance of the light that is shining cannot be seen, not because it's not shining, but because of the set Christians who fail in this category are those who have diminished their service to the Lord. They are not using the gift that God has given them to serve God's world and other people. Their participation in volunteer ministries, ushering, serving food to the homeless and other areas of service has been, not been diminished. Their flame is burning brightly, but it's hard to see it because of the accumulating soot. We are meant for service until we reach our eternal kingdom. God built us to serve. And whenever we're not serving others in God's world and the kingdom, Our light may be shining, but it's too dim for others to see. And I know a lot of people are thinking, I cannot serve for this reason or that reason. But my brothers and sisters, I know people who are homebound. Some can't get out of the bed, that send cards, that call and pray for people, pray for me. They are serving from the positions that are in, that they are in. I don't know about Ray, but when I go to visit people in the hospital, sometimes I wonder, what am I going to say? How am I going to bring joy or life to their world? And to my surprise, when I walk in most of those rooms, they end up ministering to me. They end up giving me a sense of who I am and reminding me of whose they are. Friends, we are called to volunteer. We are called to minister. We are called to be God's representatives 1,000% of the time. While some Christians have dirty globes, there are others who are inhibited by weak batteries. Now, a weak battery is different from a dead battery. A dead battery gives off no light. A weak battery gives off a little light, but not enough. A weak Christian batteries come from the neglect of Bible study, participating in groups that study the Lord together, regular medication and devotion, and the fostering of a prayer life. Weak batteries cause us to lose hope in times of trouble, lose control in times of crisis, and lose faith in times of temptation. And then there's a third set of Christians who have clean clothes, with strong batteries, but they keep their wicks trimmed low and their lights turn dim. On the old coal oil lamps, the brightness of the light depended on the height of the wick. If the wick was trimmed low, then the light burned low. Many Christians, my brothers and sisters, are witnessing for the Lord with our lamps trimmed low. We trim our wicks slow when we maintain a low witness profile at work or at school when we keep the witness of the Lord privately and don't express how good God has been to us. But I hear the Savior saying, If you are ashamed to own me before people, then I'll be ashamed to own you before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus gave us something to witness to and we ought to be glad about the testimony of the goodness of God in our life. We should rejoice at the opportunity to let the world know that he has created in us a new understanding, a new appreciation, and a new spirit of rejoicing. We should be happy to stand up and say it was God who woke me up this morning, clothed me in my right mind, and allowed the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life to walk me along the narrow road. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. You can keep silent if you want. But somewhere I read, if I don't praise the Lord, the rocks will cry out. Then, my brothers and sisters, finally this. God's power will never, never, never Brothers and sisters, our text considers that Christians are the light of the world and the witnessing light if power is the power from God and it cannot, will not be extinguished. Our text intimates that God is the power source of our life, which endures Christians to stay in communion with God will be powered by energies from on There's a tendency among the family to equate the power of God with the power of people. And in doing so, we either minimize the power of God or we maximize the the finiteness of people to the same level of God. God's power and our power are not the same. One is measurable while the other is immeasurable. One can be exhausted, the other is inexhaustible. Friends, we get our electricity from Corn Belt or Ameren. But the Christian members of the kingdom, we get our spiritual power from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Corn Belt or Ameren and other similar companies across the nation, manufacture power from the harnessing of the wind and waters and the manipulation of protons and neutrons and nuclear reactors but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit power and light company doesn't need to harness the wind and the waters, for the winds and the waters obey God's will. God's power supply doesn't depend upon earthly energy, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In the midst of a storm, coin belt and Amaranth may not be able to deliver its power because the lines go down. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit power and light company can deliver its power regardless of the severity of any storms that are happening in our lives. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows or whether there is a hurricane or a tornado watch. God's power is always online. Sisters and brothers, there's nothing on earth that will diminish the brilliance of our light for it is powered by the glory and majesty of God from on high. The light should shine regardless of our circumstances, in the presence of troubling times or temptation, in the face of our enemies or fear. For I hear the 27th psalm proclaim, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In the time of trouble, he will hide. Friends, let us resolve to keep our lamps trimmed, powered by God's own special light company. On dark days, his light illuminates our paths. In times of peril, his light shows us deliverance. In moments of despair, he is a beacon of hope. In the hour of confusion, he's a ray of understanding. In discouragement, he is a. Flash of inspiration in sadness. He is the glowing presence of cheer. Matthew chapter 5 says, let your light shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Contemporary songwriters put it this way. Jesus gave me a light, but I've got to let it shine. But there's another song that I grew up singing and you grew up singing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Jesus gave it to me. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Why not live as though Christ is alive in us today? That is what he is saying when he says, you are the salt of the earth. Why not help things grow? You are the light of the world. Why not help folk find their way? Why not mentor? Why not lead? Why not be what you are a sign of Christ's presence in the world today? He's calling us while we're out there. Jesus is saying, get out there. Be a part of the noisy, wonderful, scary, glorious world and let your light shine. Don't worry about being trampled on the foot. That only happens when we stop being what we are called and created to be. We are light. If we decide, my brothers and sisters, right now, wherever you are, whether you're in this room or at home, if we decide to let Jesus shine in our life, let Jesus shine in our heart. Let Jesus shine in our marriage. Let Jesus shine in our relationships. Shine in our finances. Shine in our medical conditions. Shine in our church. I know he's able to put a light on the inside of us that will never, ever go out. He says, go ye therefore and light up the world. Light up your neighborhood. Light up your block. Light up your family. Light up your church. Light up the grocery store wherever you are. May people see the ever-present light of God that walks with you because God walks with you all the time. God talks with you. The light of God has been given to us. And Jesus said, we are the light of the world. We don't get to decide to be light or salt. Jesus says, if you are following me, If you are part of the family, if you are Christian, you are the light of the world. And the expectation is for us to light up the lives of people who sit in darkness waiting for the hope of a light that you are to bring to them. Jesus says, you are the family of God. You are salt. You have the power to save human beings from themselves. If we don't like, what the world is projecting now. Jesus sends us in it to make it better. He sets us in a family because, friends, that's the strongest unit on earth, a family. Because families don't live by rules set forth by human beings. Families live forth set live forth in the rule of love. We love each other like we love our kids and grandkids. Sure, they do things sometimes that we don't understand but the love that we have for them never diminishes. That's why Jesus places us in the family. And on his last act before his crucifixion he brought the family together. You know the way we used to on Sundays, how we used to go home, have Sunday dinner, have the family members sit down at the table and all partake in a meal together and reflect on how good it is to have God in our presence. That's what Jesus did. He set the disciples down around the table, and as they were eating, He said to them, you know, there's going to be some tough days ahead in the world and there's going to be a challenge to the family. But I need you to remember, this bread that we are now partaking in, let this bread be for you a reminder that my body is going to be broken for you. And in the breaking of my body, We're going to establish a new covenant on earth that will be ratified in heaven that the relationship between you and God can never be broken. And the relationship between you and the family should never be broken. Then as they were drinking the wine, I believe he watched them pour it in a chalice. And he said to them, family, I'm about to leave you now. I can't stay around always and walk with you. But when I leave, you see the wine that you just poured in that chalice? That represents the blood of the new covenant. You see, my father sent me to shed my blood, that my blood will cover the relationships between you and God. And it should cover the relationships between you and your fellow family members. That blood is the seal of that new covenant that began on earth and blessed by God in all eternity. And Jesus gives us this caution. Do this as often as you eat and drink it because it will remind you of me. Friends, in a world that is darkened by so many things, we need to be constantly reminded that Jesus is alive. Jesus is in the world and Jesus is on the inside of us. Oh God, bless now this bread. Bless now this Jews. May it be for us your body. May it be for us your blood that you shed for us. That we may be for the world the body and blood of Christ. Through your son, through the Holy Spirit, in your holy people. Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Will the service please come